you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Give me a full ballerina skirt and a hint of saloon and I'm on board. Mm. Welcome to the She Became Visible podcast. I'm your host, Renee Steelman. This podcast is my story. It's your story. It's our story. It's all the stories of all the women who one day knew that it was time to remember who they were, who they are, and stand up and be seen. Hello. Welcome to She Became Visible. Happy Daylight Savings Time. I feel badly for all of you who have to live through the horror of Daylight Savings Time. But let me explain. Even though I live in Arizona and we don't practice Daylight Savings Time here, I still have to calculate because Everybody else in the world is doing daylight savings time. So now it's like, am I on Pacific Coast time? Am I on Mountain time? Uh, how do you know? I'm still losing that weird hour where I have to connect with people and find out what time it is. The only thing I don't have to do is change my clocks. Okay, so that is one thing. And I have to say, years and years ago, I had a clock wall in my home. So it was covered with all of these fabulous clocks that I had collected. And uh, so I hated daylight savings time. That meant every six months I had to go through and, and move everything forward or move everything back. And so it was a hassle. So I was very pleased to move to Arizona. However, I set up a, a little, a mini clock wall, which had the, the times of the areas of where my children live. I still had to change it. So it, it doesn't really, until this nation gets together, we're not going to, this is not going to be easy. Anyway. Regardless, that has nothing to do with becoming visible. Um, I have today on my guest two amazing women. And let me tell you how I found them. Um, I love the process of finding good books to read, finding podcasts to listen to. It's just a matter of listening to one podcast and they'll mention a book that they that they have reviewed and I'm like oh that sounds amazing and then I get that book and then they'll mention something in that book and so I was listening to I think I was watching another podcast and uh Shalise's podcast cults to consciousness was mentioned I was like oh I haven't heard of that one so I clicked on that and of course whenever I find a new podcast I try to go back and start from the very beginning which as I've mentioned in other uh, podcasts, that was the beginning of my deconstruction is because when I heard of Mormon stories, I thought, well, if I'm going to listen to Mormon stories, I have to start from one. And you know that John DeLynn has been making podcasts since 2005, right? So one of my first podcasts I listened to was when he was still a member of the church and he was interviewing apologists. And I thought, well, that's safe. That's a, that's a safe place to, to listen. Uh, but he had a lot of authors that he would interview. And so I would go and read their books. And that's when I started kind of going, oh, wow, 
I didn't know that. I've never heard of that before. So anyway, that's kind of how I found Shalise. And I started listening to Cults to Consciousness. And she is a young woman, but she is advanced in her ability to do an interview. Her podcasts are professional. They're um, very... Um, they're easy on the eye. They're just, they're produced so well that you don't have a lot of weird distractions. Um, and her guests are informative. So it's, it's just a really great, it, it would cover all age groups. It, it is, even though she's young, her interviews and the quality of her podcasts and her YouTubes are so great that you're not like, oh gosh, here we go, another millennial doing a podcast. You don't feel that at all. That's too professional and articulate and visually appealing. Uh, so it really does appeal to all ages. So one of the uh, one of the guests that Shalise had on her podcast was her mom. And I have two daughters of my own, which I am pleased to say they're fabulous. And we Marco every day and I speak to them, but I really was really warmed by the relationship that Shalise and her mom have. And so I asked them if they would be willing to be guests on my podcast, because if I would give you an example of women who have stood up, remembered who they were and what their purpose is on their own and said, I am now going to do me in this life, my my new life is me doing me. These two women are the perfect example. So please let me bring on Shalise and her mom, Lisa. Hello. Hi, Renee, thank you so much for that fabulous introduction. I was just <laughs> grinning ear to ear and it's just so nice to be recognized by a fellow creator. So I appreciate it. And another funny thing, I also had a clock wall growing up. Just is that did you lisa did you really do that oh my gosh okay <laughs> we must have been inspired by something that was really cool in the 90s i don't know <laughs> right i don't know lisa you'll have to tell me but i loved it it was really fun and i i kind of missed it when we moved to arizona i honestly thought oh we have we don't have daylight savings time i'm gonna do another clock wall well Oh, I don't have a lot of walls in this house, you know, <laughs> as the open concept became popular in homes where there weren't these little boxes that we used to live in. In the old days, you know, you had your living room and then you had your dining room and then you had your kitchen. And now this open concept is great, except I don't have any walls. So <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't have any place to put this clock wall. Anyway, so Achilles, um, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell everybody I love that you've shared kind of how you started your podcast and, and, uh, but talk, tell my audience a little bit about how you got started. I'm so impressed. This, this woman, uh, is not only an actress living in LA, she's also a seamstress and I, and at Lisa, is that her Mormon upbringing? Is that where she is that? No, no. Okay. Yeah, for me, not at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> grandma did grandma. No. Okay. See, no. It's possible. It's possible. We, we, I, I remember one time I had a, someone say to me, you know, if you're going to take responsibility for the great achievements of your children, you also have to take responsibility for their failures. And I was like, Oh, I love that. So no, I don't have, I don't, don't call me school. I didn't have anything to do with that crazy person's behavior. So yeah. So anyway, go back, Shalise. So talk a little bit about how this whole thing Genesis 
Yeah, and I'll save my Mormon story for when we really get into the weeds, but the basics of it are I had something really traumatic happen to me um, about 2018. I went to Peru to do some healing at an ayahuasca retreat mm -hmm. and kind of started to find myself. Um, I had already been involved in spirituality and mysticism, I guess you could say. Uh, my mom introduced me to some of that in 2008, but this is when it really mm -hmm. became online, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And Mother Ayahuasca had some plans for me, and one of those was to write a book about my life. And so when I started doing research and writing a book proposal, I realized I need to get involved in some podcasts. I need to see what's already out there in the ex-Mormon space. And I came across a podcast called Mormons on Mushrooms. Uh, they didn't even have an episode yet, but I saw their, their Instagram wow. and I was like, I am an ex-Mormon and I do enjoy mushrooms. So I reached out to them. We did a great interview. They loved it. They wanted me to stay, and they made me a co-host. Well, we did that for about two years. They wanted to go a different direction, and I decided that I didn't want to just stop podcasting. And so the genesis of Cults to Consciousness began when I realized, you know what? I really enjoy interviewing people and getting to the bottom of these culty things and kind of warning people about culty tendencies so they can be more informed in their life. So I started that and it's been about eight months now. Wow. And I think that was one of the things I was so impressed with is you've only been doing this for about eight months, but you have a ton of subscribers, a ton of followers. And I think that is a tribute to the quality of what it is you're doing. I, I just Thank think it's you. amazing. Um, and I, 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 I loved that you, when you were talking about that on your, on your podcast, I loved the way that you described it because it's such a, I don't know if I could, if I don't, you'd have to tell me, do you, do you see any kind of gender issue going on there? Was there a little bit of uh, male versus female voices or something like that? Because it's, it's very interesting. Uh, one of the things I love about Bill Real with Mormon Discussions is he recognized that there weren't a lot of female voices out there in the podcast world. And he made it his goal to bring in some more. So he has, I think, on under Mormon Discussions umbrella, I think there are three, four. I think there's, okay, wait, let's see, Brittany and Andrews. I think there's three or four podcasts under his umbrella that are all women-led. And um, which I think is unusual. Now, the secret is women need to listen to other women. And so that's something that we have to be mindful of our topics and who we have and how we handle things, blah, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I love that you were very honest with how it progressed and how, and how it happened. And thank heavens you did it because it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where. I hate to say uh, thanks for kicking me off, you know, because it yeah. was still a really crappy thing. But also it led me to fly on my own, which ultimately has been a success. So here we right. are. Right. And one of the things that you do is you you interview anybody and everybody that has something in your in your, uh, you know, demographic. Cultiverse. Yeah, the cultiverse. That's a great way of putting it. And I strictly interview women uh, because I am interested in hearing women's voices and um, and getting women's perspective, especially I started out by thinking that I was not going to be ex-Mormon centric. I didn't really want to just make it into an ex-Mormon bash, you know, 
but I've discovered that that that's that's where I'm at right now. I mean, and Lisa, you I don't know, you'll, you'll have to tell me, but that's who I am right now. And and so that's 90 percent of what I listen to. Uh, it's what I talk about. It's where I'm at in my life. Maybe 10 years from now, I'll be someplace else. But right now, that's who I am. And so I thought, why am I trying to put on this? Oh, no, I can be all things to all people. It's like, no, I can't. I, I'm one of these crazy people that you could talk about, you know, hey, did you see that fabulous movie? And I'm like, well, have you seen the biography of, you know, <laughs> and they're like, what does that have to do with what we were talking about? So that's just, you know, that's kind of where my focus is right now. So Lisa, where are you in your, and, and when, when your daughter, Shalise started her podcast and she's like, mom, you need to come on my podcast where you're like, ah, don't, don't bring me into this. Or what was your reaction? <laughs> That was exactly my reaction <laughs> when she had, you know, told me what she was going to do. First of all, when she uh, taken a step back, when she got off Mormons of mushrooms, she called me and was, you know, quite upset about it. And she goes, I, now what do I do? And I go, what do you mean? What do you do? You start your own. You've started <laughs> your own. And within, I think, two days, she had come up with the name and she just said, I'm doing it. And I was just blown away at how successful now seeing what she's doing and the people that she has on, it's just amazing. But when she asked me to be on, I was like, <laughs> no way. I what do I have to say? I don't have anything to say. And she goes, I just want to see what you thought about, you know, growing up and what your childhood. And so I said, okay, as long, you know, I can only speak for myself and what my experience was like. So, right. Right. Yeah. And I want to jump in here because mom was just here to visit because I live in California. She's in Utah. And <laughs> we were like, oh, we really need a guest for this week. And I was like, mom, it, it could be a fun episode, you know, just thinking it would be like a casual, yeah. no, no pressure episode. She was like, first of all, she's like, hell no. What, what am I going to say? You know, she's yeah. <laughs> but I was like, we have a lot to talk about because we we go into ex-Mormon rabbit holes all the time when I'm like, did you hear this? Did you know about this? Yeah. So I'm like, it'll just be a fun conversation. And that's the one that blew up my channel because Shut it was up. so relatable. It got yeah. like 30,000 views in a couple weeks and people just loved it because, again, it's just so relatable to hear family yeah. dynamics, talking about their experience. People just want to feel validated. And so even though sometimes we think what we have to say is mundane, normal, boring, that could be someone else's mundane, no normal, and boring that they relate to. So yeah. that's why we came back and did a second and a third episode with mom. Everyone loves mom. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, I'm learning this because and again, Lisa, you, you'll agree that we learn so much from our children, especially because we live in an enlightened era yeah. where they're able to hear and learn and discuss things that we didn't have mm -hmm. or were not able to discuss, you know. And so you we are probably learning more from our children than any generation below us ever did they always turn to us, you know, they'll say, oh, with age comes wisdom. I'm like, not anymore, mm -hmm. not anymore. Now we have internet. They, they don't, you know, and so um, the, the fact that, that you were and that, thank you, Shalise, because that leads us right into the everyday normal person on the street that is making a difference in someone's life. And you might not be doing climate change. You not, might not be freeing, you know, refugees from any area. You might think, oh, I'm just a, I'm just a person living in a small town USA, 
I'm not making a difference, but just your interview hit somebody exactly that just said, oh my gosh, that's me. I, I, I relate to this person. And that's what this, that's what podcasting is all about. Right. Yeah. yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. So let's do that then. Let's get into this because Lisa, one of the things I also want to bring out is you have two generations here, but there's actually three generations of strong matriarchal, I know who I am women in your family. So let's start out with you telling your story um, because I, I love the relationship that you had with your mom. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell us about that. Well, it was kind of interesting, I guess, with the church part of it. Um, when, I mean, I grew up in the church. My mom grew up in the church. Um, I mean, it went back through all of her generations. And when we, um, when I was in the church, in, in the temple one day, actually talking to my sister and my sister's like, did you hear about mom? She's not, she's like not going to church anymore. What's going on? And I remember thinking, why isn't she going to church as I'm sitting in the temple thinking, what's wrong with my mom? Why isn't she going to church? And I went and talked to my mom about it. And I just said, can you tell me, you know, why you're not going to church anymore? And she said, you know, Lisa, I brought you up in that. And, and if you believe it, I want you to continue in it. Um, but it's my path and it's my journey. And I've chosen to, to walk away from it. She would not tell me why she wouldn't give me all of her, her info. And so I had to basically learn it myself, which I did through Shalise. Yeah. Yes. Shalise is the main reason why I ended up really looking into it more. I always questioned things growing up. Right. I, I was always kind of, why do we have to do this? Or why can't we do that? Or how come I can go to the temple, but somebody else can't? I just, it didn't feel right to me in, in a lot of ways. And so when Shalise going through her, um, her journey, she started asking me questions and I couldn't answer those questions. And I'm sure we can get into that more, but, and so I had to start questioning things and I did really question them. So that I, that's really interesting. So you go to your mom and you say, mom, what's, I, what's happening? Why on earth would you leave this church? And why, why this is how you taught me to live. And she's like, I'm not going to talk about it with you. This is your journey. And so you didn't have the conversations with your mom that you and Shalise had. So you really, did you, did she ever come out and say, this was my breaking point or this is when I deconstructed? Did yes, she? Yes. Okay. She did later. And then she may have told even Shalise about it, but she waited until I made the decision to leave. Oh, then so we smart. Down and talk about it openly. And, and I, I think that was good because she planted the mm -hmm. seed. She didn't make me feel defensive or mm -hmm. like, well, I'm going to defend the church. You know, I'm still in it. And right. you're she just planted that seed to where I was thinking, I wonder why, what does she know that I don't know? And then Shalise, you know, brought up more questions and questions that I couldn't answer. And, you know, the bishop couldn't answer them. And my state president mm -hmm. couldn't answer them. My home teacher couldn't answer. Yeah. And so, that's when you kind of have to. Look. So even though she's not talking to you about this, 
Um, you're going through life, as you mentioned, you're in the temple with your sister and uh, there had to be family events or general conference or Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving where did, I mean, was it like, mom, did you watch conference last weekend? Did you hear what president Kimball had to say or whatever? I mean, and she would just go, yeah, I'm, I'm not watching it. And you're just like, what is happening? I mean, how far did the conversation go? Uh, she would still watch it. I think oh. she wanted to watch it just to, I think it validated a lot of her concerns by watching it. Oh. Um, I, I never really looked at her with like, Oh, I can't believe you laughed or I can't oh. believe that what's wrong with you. I kind of just accepted her. She was my mom and I love yeah. my mom. And yeah. so to me, it didn't matter if she was still in the church. My sister is still very much in the church and, oh. and I'm not, um, we don't have a real close relationship. Um, and I feel like it has a lot to do with the church. Yeah. Um, so, and her, uh, her daughters have left the church and I think that makes it kind of difficult, I think for her, because I'm very close to her daughters yeah. and again, they, they left the church before I did and then came to me and then we all kind of went, wait, you've left, wait, you've left. And yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of interesting, you know, how I think the church has a hold on people and the way you see things. But with my mom and I, I didn't, I didn't judge my mom for leaving. And so siblings, just you and your sister and my brother, he's still in the church too. Okay. So was she, and then father is still in the, was still in the church or yeah, my father was too. Okay. So did she continue the, you know, the physically in mentally out, was she playing that game or or um, that I'm sorry, that might sound offensive to some people, yeah. but you know, is that where she decided would be the safest place for her to reside is in this, I will physically attend Ida things, but mentally I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I think she supported my sister, like for baptisms or, you know, blessings. She would go and do that knowing she didn't believe it. And they all, yeah. kind of knew she doesn't believe it. And, but she still did. She would still support yeah. that. And yeah. 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 And you know what that, and I, until it, even, I don't know, my grandchildren are not marriage age yet. Um, so I haven't had to experience that. But I, I know at one point, my husband said something about, well, what are you going to do, you know, when temple marriages come up, and you're not there. And I honestly remember going, I'm going to be decorating the reception hall while you guys are in there. And I'll be back yeah. on the on the on the grass for pictures, yeah. that ceremony doesn't mean anything to me. So I'm okay not being there. Yeah. Um, but, and I also, I'm excited if my grandsons want to go on missions, I'm excited for that. I go down to their baptisms. I'm excited for that because there's a lot of ritual that I think is good for kids. And I think it's a great way to grow up this community and rituals and things like that. So, um, there's other parts of it that fortunately my children are, uh, enlightened and nuanced enough to where they're handling the other stuff that, you know, for me was like a make or break. Um, so I feel, I feel like I can understand where your mother was too. It's like, my kids want to do this. Great. I'll support you hundred um, percent. But that's amazing. Okay. So now is your uh, father and mother, are they still alive? No, my mom had remarried. So my okay. father is, he's passed away, but my mom is still alive. And she's just by herself now because my stepdad had passed away also. Um, but she, 
watches Shalice and all her podcasts and you know so cool hi 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 Nana just wanted to say hi to Nana <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah she's very supportive of her and I love that cool. yeah I love that so you had a great relationship Shalice Grams is an important part of your life and how did your coming out you know what, what like like you were saying Lisa she actually probably got more open with Shalice than she even did with you. So talk about that a little bit. There's well, something about, there's was... something about grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was living in Vegas when I started to deconstruct, I was in college about 1920. And I would say when I went to my grandma with everything that I had found, she was ready to talk about it because I was already on the journey of being out. So yeah, we, that's probably when we really connected the most in my mm -hmm. adult years and just talking for hours about all the inconsistencies. There are many to talk about. <laughs> so that's probably when we got a lot closer. And you were just mentioning the temple. I wanted to interject that when my mom and dad called me, because uh, they were in Portland at the time, it's still like it's one of the, my favorite stories because usually it's the other way around. But they called me and they're both on the phone and and they're like, Shalise, we just want to tell you something. Uh, we haven't been going to church and we just wanted to let you know that we're going to support you no matter what you decide. And if you want to get married in the temple, we'll do whatever it takes to to be there and support you. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I left. And they're like, oh, good. <laughs> So it was like a really funny moment because normally yeah. it's the kid that has to yeah. come out to the parents and be like, yeah. mom, sorry, I left. And what and did we do wrong? Yeah. yeah. And I'm just, I just feel really lucky because I know that's not common for the parents to come around and reach out to the child in that way. Usually it's the opposite. So yeah, yeah it was, it was nice to know that they were willing to, I guess, lie on their temple recommend questions so they could come to the temple. Yeah. But, yeah. but it don't was just, we all? It was really yeah it was really yeah. sweet and I think it's because like my mom had said I started doing a lot of research and and I get this from my mom very type a like printed things out and highlighted and bookmarked and tabbed and I'm just like this whole binder is just a mess there's so much to talk oh about gosh. and because I actually took that binder to my uh bishop or my bishop's counselor because the bishop I didn't like very much a story for another time so yeah. Uh, I remember sitting down with this this person in the high council and I was like what about this what about this and he gave me the the smile and nod and the well there are just some things we don't we won't have answers to and we just have to have faith and I feel like because he was a lawyer he kind of knew he was like I had a uh, feeling that he knew all of the things I told him but he was just willing right. to ignore them so right. he didn't want to say that I was wrong and he wasn't trying to defend the church he was just giving me the Mm-hmm. Kind of look. Mm, yeah. So I went to my yeah. mom with those questions. I was like, I couldn't get answers. What do you think about this? And that's when she started privately doing her own research and going to her higher ups and they couldn't answer it. So there was that buffer of time, probably about six months, eight months, mm -hmm. where I had once I fig figured all that stuff out, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. And then took her a little bit and then that's when they called me and I was like oh yeah we're good don't worry <laughs> wow yeah, you know I, I could be completely wrong and I am the first person to admit that I have not only confirmation bias but complete gender bias um but 
I, I would love to know statistically, because I, I do think I remember reading somewhere that most women leave the church. One of their top reasons is polygamy. For men, it's the book of Abraham that will take men out more than it is, you know, for women. And I think there's so many principles, as you mentioned, Shalise, if you were to take your binder in, sit down with the white male that you'll be talking to wherever you live um, and tell them, what about this? What about that? You know, if I say, what about the fact that Joseph Smith married a 14 year old, that he had, you know, 23, 34 wives, that he lied to his wife, that he was sneaking behind her back. And they're like, you know, men are just, you know, they're fallible and we have to. And I'm like, yeah, only a man would say that, <laughs> you know, that that's always my first response. Because I always think, I wonder what Joseph would have done if Emma would have said, you know, I got 40 men on the side here. I just right. thought I'd let you know that I received, you know, Gabriel yeah. appeared yeah. <laughs> and told me that I needed to, you know, really take in these poor men who have, and I'm sure there would be another, there would be another story behind that, right? Yeah. Uh, we see it in the Bible, obviously. It's still today. We have birth control that's all concerned about women and has nothing to do with ejaculation or men. So, you know, it's, it's always been that, that side of the fence. And so every single principle that you bring up is like, yeah, but that works for you. Of course, you're going to look, go, well, we don't understand polygamy. We don't understand the next life. You know, when President Oaks said that he got that letter, you know, from the woman that said, I'm so worried that I'm going to have to share my husband in the next world. And President Oaks was like, oh, don't worry about that. We don't have all the answers. But let me tell you what we do have the answers to. You know, they always seem to be a little bit more on the side of the white male. So that's, that's, that was the thing for me was, you know, polygamy was a big thing. And then, you know, the rock in the hat, doesn't that sound stupid? But yeah. Lisa, it, I have pictures. I, we sang in the car, Book of Mormon stories, you know. Um, I, I had all of the little, little quotes from Joseph Smith up on my wall. And that was like, you lied. You lied to me. This is all, a, what else are you lying about? And that's where the rabbit hole starts is, well, if you lied about this, what else are you lying about? And, and I don't know whether that's just a male brain versus a female brain where men can go, eh, that's business. You know, and you're like, eh, all corporations do that. And I'm like, do you, what? This isn't, a, this is God, you know? So, I mean, and so Lisa, I know you did the same thing. You went into your bishop and said, what about this? What about that? Mm -hmm. You got the same response. Where's your faith? We don't yeah. understand. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I, I remember talking about this with Shalise on her podcast about going in and, and him just saying, you know, you have to have faith as a child. And I said, but I'm an adult and yeah. my child is an adult and I have to answer these questions for her. And I can't, and you can't. And I just said, I can't have faith as a child when I'm an adult. I need to find the answers. And the church is centered around search, ponder, and pray, but only search, ponder, and pray the books that are written by the church. Yes. And that really bothered me. I thought, well, then that's not searching. That's just right. limiting myself to my research. And so once you start getting out there and start reading other things, uh, CES letters, you know, a uh, letter to my husband, all these things that you then are blown away at. Mm -hmm. How did we not know all these things? And I think for me, the biggest thing was the, 
uh, Book of Mormon, being told that that is hand in hand, as important as the Bible, that, I mean, they yeah. are equal. And then to find out that the church even has brought it out now saying it's not a historical document. It's right. a spiritual document, like work on the glory. And right. I'm like, I was, I mean, I was raised, that is the most important book, even more so than the Bible. They're, they're hand in yeah. hand. Yeah. Well, that they literally came out and said that, you know, yeah. so yeah. 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 So, so Lisa, how old were you when you were like, what, because Shalice, when you read that letter that your mom wrote you, uh, when you got your patriarchal blessing, mm. it was, yeah. you know, and I, I, I just, I think back on the, the narratives, the, the verbs, everything that comes out of our mouth is just rehearsed indoctrination that we repeat and that, but it wasn't that your heart wasn't there. Right. You loved, you loved the thought of what this proposed for your daughter's life. Mm -hmm. Right. And put it in the perspective of the, of the culture that you were living in because it was everything is like, this oh, is yeah. fabulous. Yeah. And, and Shalise talk about like, explain a little bit if, if there is anybody out there listening to this podcast that, you know, what a patriarchal blessing is. And I love, I love, let me show you. I love the fact that we've been told to, you know, not, not depend on, um, you know, uh, tarot cards or spirituality or anything like that. And I'm like, you mean like, you mean like this one, this, 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 we're not supposed to, okay. Oh, oh okay. never mind. Yeah. So yeah. So talk a little bit about how, yeah, we're not supposed to, you know, worry about our crystals or anything like that. Hello. <laughs> but, um, but we're supposed to go have a, an old man lay their hands on our head. Tell us that we're from the tribe of whatever. And, um, and I love that you were the, how, what this meant to you. And then, how you felt afterwards and where this set, what path that set. Talk a little bit about that. The patriarchal blessing. So I looking at it now, I'm like, Oh, it's basically someone channeling God. Like they're literally saying that these are words coming from God's mouth into the patriarch. And he's speaking directly to you. I mean, you have to fast beforehand. You get it when you're like 14, 15. So very moldable years of your life and it's so interesting when you really look at it and you go oh they're just being a medium for god and they don't think that's problematic yet using a card like a tarot card for inspiration is somehow of the devil and, hmm, it's very interesting so i got mine when i was 15 and i we read it on my on my podcast episode but it was very inflated it was very you're amazing or you're great or you're going to do this and all these awesome things and you're going to have kids and you're going to raise them in the covenant and you're very special. And I mean, I felt special, but who's not going to feel special when they think yeah. God is telling them that they're amazing. Yes. And so, yeah, we left that meeting and my mom was in tears and I'm in tears and I'm just like, wow, I really am special, which who knows if that <laughs> played into my superiority complex. <laughs> Um, I am heading to LA. <laughs> yeah. And then I be, wanted to become a movie star. No, I wanted that way before. Yeah. But it, yeah. I mean, it definitely helped with that, right? Like even God thinks I should be a movie star. Yeah. Well, I think when it came down to it, I did just tuck it away and kind of forget about it. I wasn't one of those people that 
frequently referred back and tried to see if things were yeah. coming true or not. Even though I was still very devout in the church, I think I just tucked it in one of those bins with childhood things. And that's how we came across it when we were going through them at my mom's wow. house recently. But the letter that my mom wrote to me, that's when I was a senior. I think we figured out it was like my 16th birthday, mm-hmm. 17th birthday. And we were very in it. I mean, that's when we moved to Portland for my senior year of high school. And that's when we really had to double down on the doctrine because either you're a Mormon who's a shining example of what Mormonism should look like, or you're a Jack Mormon and you don't follow any of the rules and people just know that about you. And we were determined to be the missionaries. We were determined to spread the word of the Lord. And that's when things started coming into focus for me because when I was trying to be a missionary, my Christian friends were telling me that what I was talking about was blasphemous and that I'm going to go to hell if I believe a certain way and telling me that Joseph Smith used a rock and a hat. And I'm just like, girl, you don't know. Like, I'm a Mormon. I would know these things. But I didn't know that we were being lied to. And that was really the, the seed planted for me so that when I went to Vegas and was going through all the crap that I was going through with my bishop, I was like, let me, let me look into this. So, yeah, the patriarchal blessing, it's it's something that I think people really latch on to. And for good reason, yeah. we just yeah. said it's supposed to be from God. But yeah. it can be really harmful when... Yeah they say things like you're you're going to have children and raise children in the church and what if you're infertile and that's it's really hard for women who think that if this was from god and i was supposed to have children and now i can't have children that must mean that i'm not worthy that must mean that i did something wrong right it's just so damaging so i'm i'm not for the patriarchal blessing i think it does way more harm than good unfortunately yeah i think that's really a good point too is 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 the fact that i've i've heard other people talk about how uh anthony miller for example he his patriarchal blessing was just a script for how he was going to live his life. And he treasured it and lived his life according to how it said it should be laid out. And then, you know, now here he is a 56, 57 year old man who is getting close to retirement. It said in his patriarchal blessing that he would serve on many, many missions and he's left the church. So that's not going to happen. So that was upsetting. Then you hear the other thing where people that have, they get their patriarchal blessing and it basically said, Hey, you're alive. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And people are like, that's it? I mean, nothing? I'm, I'm not a leader. I'm not going to be a great missionary. I'm not, you know, I have nothing. And it's just blah, 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 blah. And they're so they're so disappointed. And then, like you said, Shalise, it's like, how do you think you come out of that thinking, God doesn't even think I'm worth anything? You know, because it yeah. doesn't say anything about, you know. What about you, Lisa? How old were you when you got your patriarchal blessing? That's kind of interesting because... Normally you get them when you're young and I don't know why I never did because we were all, we were in the church. I did not get my, my blessing until I was in my thirties. Oh my gosh. After Shalice was born, I got it. And the thing that was interesting about mine, it, it couldn't tell me about that. I'm going to grow up, get married in the temple, have children. Well, I already had them. I had all my so he's, was, he's sitting there at the typewriter going, uh-huh. no, sure. I did that. And you, no, she already did that. You know, what what I say? This lady. Uh-huh. so it was kind of mine. Really? I was really disappointed in mine. I, yeah. because I felt like 
you know, everybody else was getting all these things. You're going to grow up a daughter of God and you'll have all these blessings. And I'm thinking, well, I have blessings right now. And so I wanted to see, well, what's my future going to be like? And there was nothing. It wasn't, it was just, you need to continue to live the church and don't stray. And, and it was a warning basically, you know, to me, uh, which is kind of interesting. Now all of a sudden I've left and I'm like, Whoa, (laughs) you know, but I, I, it was, I just wasn't as impressed as I, like I was with Shalise's, you know, that's, you know, I'll have to go back and look at my husband's cause he didn't get his until he got home from his mission. Oh, wow. And yeah. so it'd be interesting to see what his said, but you know what I think is funny. I heard a comedian uh, the other day on TV and they were talking about, um, Oh, some of the anti-Semitic things going on in, in Hollywood. And he said, you know, I I'm a, a Jew and he said, and, you know, our version of diversity is we have one person from every tribe on our board, you know, or something like that. And I thought that was so funny as to, to put in that whole. Yeah, but we're all, you know, because in my case, both my husband and I are, of course, from the tribe of Ephraim. I have a daughter that's from the tribe of Manasseh. And my youngest son was from the tribe of Judah. Hmm. And I thought that was hilarious because my youngest son was severely disabled So I kept saying, you know, I would jokingly say to him, now, when you go back to Jerusalem, exactly how are you getting there? You know, just kind of joking like that. And um, and it's so funny because I thought, well, did that patriarch really cue into my husband's Italian heritage? And that's why I have one daughter that's from the tribe of Eve of Manasseh, like like that's her Italian DNA coming out or, you know, and then I and then my daughter, uh, her first husband was half Korean. And he's from the tribe of, um, oh, crud, I can't remember right now, but it's a very typical tribe if you would associate with the Asian continents. And so I'm kind of like, are you guys, like, did he think he was from the tribe of Judah because he's severely disabled and he thought you're so close to Christ, you're so perfect, you're, you know, you're, you know that he put that together. And then he looked at my little Italian daughter and saw, oh, you look almost... Uh, Latino of some kind. I'm going to throw you into the, you know, I mean, it's like, what is going on here? But yeah, my, I'll, I was like 12 when I got mine. And I just remember sitting there going, I'm going to have babies. I'm going to have babies. Tell me I'm going to have babies. I can't wait to have babies, you know? And so it was like almost to the end where it's like, you will marry and have children. I'm like, yes, that is my entire goal in life. Thank you. You know? And uh, so it's, it's so crazy, but yeah. So interesting. So I, I, Shalise, I love that you talked about that it was more your your missionary effort and your Christian friends who were like, did you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, no, and that cannot be true. Let me look into that. That was like your, your beginning of your deconstruction. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, like, what were some of the things where you're like, that's not true. Even the rock in the hat. It, I, when I told my husband, my stake president husband, did you know that Joseph, he's like, that's not true. I'm like, mm, but it is. So, you know, but it is, but I mean, it didn't is. We have, didn't we have some sort of conference with the prophet demonstrating how it worked? Yeah. Yeah. Like he actually and, showed, yeah. all right, guys, yeah. you know how your cell phones work. Well, you put the rock yeah. in the hat and it lights up like a cell phone. And he, yeah. need, he needed to be able to see the light. So he had to be in the darkness. I'm just like, are you hearing yourself? <laughs> it's like, you're a cardiac surgeon. You created the artificial heart. That's where people have to really let go of the idea that you're an idiot 
if you if you leave the church because the smart people have you know it's kind of like there were very 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 smart intelligent uh well-read people that are indoctrinated into this cult shalice as you would say yeah yeah talk yeah when it came to when it came to looking into things as a senior in high school to paint the picture i am coming from utah so i have not been exposed to anything outside of the mormon bubble it was just part of life when you live in utah everyone's mormon no one asks each other questions it's just how it is like you don't start to wonder how things work you don't put the pieces together and you, you really don't do any deep dives at all because why Everyone knows it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And it so works so great in that bubble. It, yeah. It does until you leave it. So when I left it and I'm a senior and I'm the new kid and I'm trying to convince people that I'm cool and I'm not the weird Mormon kid, <laughs> there was a really difficult balance of, no, I swear I'm normal, but also believe in this extra book. You know, yeah. you're a Christian, but I just have another testament of Christ. It's not weird at all. And right. so I was trying to get around this whole like popularity thing, but also spreading the word and not pushing it too hard because the Mormon kids in our school, most of them were considered weird. And so uh, I didn't want to be that. And I was yeah. in school and I just didn't want to slide down the slide into yeah. that popularity for my final year of high school. So I became really good friends with this girl who has um, a history of pastors in her family. And so she was very well read in the Bible, which I wow. wasn't. Because, yeah, again, no, you don't read the Bible. Yeah. 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 So she came to me really, really concerned. And she had this notebook full of things that she had written down based on things that she had watched from the school library. She's like, wow. I watched this video and read this book and she had all of these questions for me and I'm like none of that's even true that's just ex-Mormon propaganda like it's not true if it were true I would know and she was just not convinced and I was like I'm just gonna prove to her that that's fake and so I went to the computer started looking up a whole bunch of things started going into the Freemasonry rabbit hole like things that didn't really Mm -hmm. matter enough to rock my faith but things were like huh that's weird. Mm-hmm. Why do the temples have upside down stars? I don't know. Is that significant? Is it not? But it is weird. Like I've never noticed it. So things <sighs> like that, that got me to kind of question enough, but also brush her off to the side and be like, no, that was just a bad source. And yeah. that's when I asked my mom about the temple ceremony that's no longer in the temple where it was this like really random, weird website before websites looked nice. And it had, I don't know, it was like a bright purple background and white text and uh, talking about how Mormons would have to pretend to slip their throat and cut out their bowels if they tell the secrets. Uh, those were the good old days. And yeah. I, just, I started yeah. laughing hysterically and I'm like, Mom, get over here. You got to listen. And she like comes over and I oh read it out loud and her eyes are just like staring at me and I'm like that's funny right like isn't that funny and she just would not say anything and I was like that's made up right that's that's not true right and she didn't know what to say because she would be revealing the very thing that she that that ceremony said that she couldn't do 
Yeah. And so she's looking at her daughter going, do I lie to her face? Do I tell her the truth? Like what? I mean, you can tell from your perspective, mom, what was going through your mind in that moment. Well, I agree with you. It was hard because I kept thinking, I can't talk about this outside of the church or, you know, you out of the temple. And you can't talk about it in the temple because you got to be quiet. So everything's going through your mind of how do I, who do I ask or how do I tell her? Yeah, this this is what they did. They did it more in my mom's time than they, when I started going, they changed it. So you didn't actually do that motion. You did other motions, but with my mom, that was in her time. That, that what, was, what year did you go through, Lisa? Oh gosh. I went through in 1991. Yeah. Okay. See, I went through in 74. Yeah. And so we were doing the whole thing and okay. it's so, it's so funny that, um, the idea of secrecy, mm-hmm. as a, even as an adult, the sacred but secret concept was so swallowed and accepted. And now, at, at looking back, I think what other area of your life in humanity is secrecy accepted? Mm-hmm. Like, does somebody say, look, if your husband has 34 wives behind your back and it's a secret it's okay. Or if your children are, you know, sneaking out of the house and borrowing your car, but you don't find out about it, it's okay. There's never a time when secrecy is acceptable, really. I mean, it it really never plays out. And yet we drank that. And I didn't even know, like, I just had someone. So I got the, I got the slitting of the throat. I got the bowel emboweling symbol but I didn't understand like the cupped hand. And I, I was just at a Thrive concert and I'm, I'm, I'm listening, I'm just, and they're like, oh no, no, that was to hold your heart. You're holding your heart that you've just ripped out. And I was like, what? oh, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, well, I can see that, you know, but you're, you, you're so a part of this, the secret society and you're in the club, you're, you know, you're sitting at the cheerleader table. If you have a temple recommend that you kind of accept that, Oh, look, I'm worthy to come here. I'm getting all these secrets that other people do. And it makes you feel elite and special, you know, and the, 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 so it's, it's scary. It really is scary when you start thinking how easily you can be indoctrinated into a thought process and a, a way of life. Like you're saying, people just, they want to feel included. It's part of our biology to need to feel accepted into the club. And especially when you're making all these sacrifices to be in the club, you're giving your money, your time, your energy, you're giving away a huge part of yourself to be in this club. So when you finally get there and you get all of these secrets, you're not going to throw it away because of everything that you've just sacrificed to be there and you want to belong and you want to be able to go on those temple trips. And for me, it was go do baptisms for the dead because if I didn't go, that meant I wasn't worthy and my friends would look at me differently if Mm -hmm. I didn't go. Such a social thing, yeah. Yeah, you you want to be included. So it's really not surprising at all what people will go along with when you tell them that they're special, when you tell them that they're included, that they're part of the club. Well, yeah. And I always thought thought of it as having the golden ticket. That golden ticket and I could go in the temple, that gave me this feeling of belonging and that I was so special. It's fire insurance. I felt at that time, 
I had no fear of dying at that time because I thought, well, if I die, I'm going to the celestial because I've got the golden ticket. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And yeah. I remember during times when I wasn't doing what I should be doing, as the church says, I was scared to death to die. Scared to death. Wow. Yeah, but that's that interesting. I was I was ready. I could go at any time. Well, and I I I I'm still struggling with the idea of a shame based um teaching, you know, the, the shame that goes along, not being in a calling, not being able to teach young women's if you don't have a temple recommend, not being able to take the sacrament if you've, you know, have something going on that you've discussed with the bishop. And so that's a lot of motivation. There's a lot of shame that involves, oh, I'm going to stay temple worthy because if I was, if somebody said, why doesn't, you know, how come it's Ward Temple Night? How come Lisa and her husband aren't going? Oh, well, you know, they don't have a temple recommend. Yeah. Oh, what's that all about? You know, so there's that whole shame thing. And and yet I also understand the need for rules. And I understand the, the reason that there has to be consequences. I mean, we have red lights, we have stop mm -hmm. signs, we have rules and there are consequences. So I understand that, but there's something about your value that's tied into those rules. I mean, if you run a stoplight and get a ticket, people go, oh, I was, I was distracted. I didn't even see the stoplight. I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. Everybody's like, we've all done that. But you don't have a temple recommend. Oh, well, then, you know, there's a different value that's put on that kind of shame. And, and I, and I remember, and I, 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 re I don't know if any of you are watching Rebecca Biblioteca, but um, she often talks about, she doesn't know if she ever really like deconstructed, even though she's left her church. Uh, she said, because I've always, I've always gone through life going, that's crazy. I, I'm not, I don't believe that, you know? Um, and so there were certain things where I remember going, yeah, that, that doesn't fly with me, but oh, well, I'm going to go to the temple and do temple work and, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, but there was, and I don't know why it took me so long. I think because you guys mentioned you lived in Portland. Did you actually live in Portland or did you live in one of the suburbs? Westland. In, Westland. Oh, in Westland. Okay. So we lived in Tualatin. Oh. Most of our, yeah, most of our married life we've been in Tualatin. And so you guys remember there was no temple close to us when they finally built the Seattle temple, that was the closest temple. And so people didn't go. You went maybe once or twice a year uh, and because uh, you had to get babysitters and you're gone all day. And then they built the Portland Temple. Mm -hmm. But growing up, I mean, I grew up in in Illinois where you went to Utah, you know. So the temple was like this Mecca that you went to once a year, you know, and it wasn't like a weekly thing. So I think that's why it didn't occur to me till we actually had the Portland Temple and you could go every week. And I started going more often when I actually started hearing what they were saying in there. And I woke up and I remember saying to my husband, excuse me, when you go into the uh, washing and anointings, do you bow your head and promise to obey your wife and listen to everything she says? And he's like, no, why would I do that? I'm like, oh, I do. Yeah. I do. And so even before I had deconstructed, I was a temple worker. That was my solution. I'm like, I, I don't like this. This is bugging me. So I'm going to go become a temple worker. That way I don't have to sit in the ceremony. I can just piddle around the temple and help people adjust their, their robes. 
And so I tried that for a few years and then we went one last time and I came out and I said, I'm never going back. I said, this is, this is garbage. I'm not bowing my head to obey you. And I'm not going to be the, you don't, you're not the mediator between me and God. This isn't yeah. happening. Yeah. And that was before I ever thought of not, of leaving the church. I just wasn't going to go back to the temple. So there was little things like that, that the exposure, you have to have the exposure. And Shalise, I am so impressed that as a 17 year old, you thought, I'm going to check into this. Because <laughs> I, like you said, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I didn't live in the bubble and so when people would say things, I just go, that's eh, not true. Anyway, and go off to mutual, you know, didn't mean a thing to me. So yeah, yeah. that blows my mind. Yeah. Well, it wasn't because it, the underlying reason for that was because I could not stand to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I love it. Okay. Let me tell you all the reasons that you're wrong. And that's why I wanted to do the research because oh. I just didn't like being patronized by this girl who claimed to know everything about my religion. And I love she was that, my best though. friend. And so I was yeah. like, no, I need to set the record straight. She can't be believing all this crazy anti Mormon stuff. I need to tell yeah. her what's what. And that's, I mean, I don't even know if I really sat her down and had another discussion because I didn't find anything that disproved what she was talking about. I think I just let it go. And then she eventually stopped talking to me, probably because her <laughs> parents said, don't hang out with this Mormon chick because she's going to fill your brain with a bunch of weird stuff. Yeah, so yeah. that was honestly, that was like the end of that relationship, which was really sad because I really thought I had made a friend for life. And then you find out that beliefs really do get in the way of, of good <sighs> relationships. Yeah. So true. That's so true. And Lisa, did you find that? I mean, I think if I remember right, were you in you were you in the Relief Society presidency? Were you young Relief women. Society president? Young women. Oh, young women's. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Isn't that funny? And that well, that just says I think they probably did look at your nature though and go, this this woman would do well with young women because I, I the relationship you had with Shalise, I think you you're very relatable. And, uh, and, and I bet you, you had a lot of young women that felt very comfortable around you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, we had a lot of fun. And I remember one time though, I had a really tough time in young women's when it, I had to teach the lesson and you have to follow the manual. You have to follow that manual. And I said, well, I have a really fun project and I want to talk about Christ and how the love that Christ had for people. And they go, no, 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 you have to follow the manual. It's Joseph Smith time. And I go, but it's not going with what I want to teach. And it's yeah. the church of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about Christ. They yeah. flat out said, no, you will follow that manual. Yeah. And I had to because yeah. it was in front of all, the other leaders were there too. So I couldn't do it just in a private class with my young girls. I had to do it in front of all the young women and the other leaders. So I had to follow that. And it was tough. Yeah. I kept trying yeah. to slip in the things about Christ, you know, and but they were like, you know, follow that manual. Absolutely. I think when she was up at two o'clock in the morning on the computer in Oregon, trying to prove her friend wrong, it just, it was, and I thought she's going to do it too, because didn't you go, Shalise, to, you asked me if you could go to church with her. And I said, yes, to her church. And then I said, well, now invite her to ours, you know, because ours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's when yeah. she said, no, she couldn't. <laughs> that was yeah. The first time I experienced church outside of Mormonism, and it was in this enormous, like, amphitheater. It was a mega church for sure. They had bands, yeah. and they had 
the, like all the projector screens and I'm just like, this is a concert for Jesus. Like what is going yeah. on? So you so loved it? Like, you thought it was great or did, or no, you felt that? No. So you're, you're comfortable yeah. I was so used to be quiet and reverent and don't yes. speak and people are up like screaming and waving their hands. And I was just like, what is happening? Like it was fine. Yeah. It was like yeah. a good message, but at the end of the day, I was like, yeah, these people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Is that isn't that funny? I don't know. Lisa, have you tried? Have you gone to any? Have you, you know, after you deconstructed Mormonism, did you also have to deconstruct Christianity? Yeah, that I mean, that was tough at first because you are thinking, well, if our church isn't true, then is God real? Is you know what's going on? And so I did go to some non-denominational churches, and I really enjoyed them. It, okay. You were not there three hours. You were in yeah. there for 45 minutes and the music, they had a band and I loved the music and, and then you get a really nice message and that was it. And so I really liked it. I, I enjoyed them. Yeah. yeah, that, that was hard for me. And I, I think because even just, uh, even when we were Methodist, you went in, you were quiet, you were reverent, the children were off in the nursery, the adults were sitting in the pews, you had a guy at the front speaking. So, and you can see that basically Mormonism is a form of Methodism, you know, and so it that's what I'm used to. So to go, and I've tried going to a few other of these churches where the pastor's 35 with his baseball cap on and flannels, and I'm kind of like, I, I'm having a hard time with this, you know, <laughs> and, um, and I don't, I, you know, my genre of music, I don't like country Western music for the same reason I don't like Christian music. It's like, you got to find three other words. It cannot be three words. And that's all for the whole song. It, you got to have something besides the hook, you know? And so I just can't find, there was one in Portland that we went to um, when we were visiting last time. And I thought, okay, you know what? I could do this because they had they had their music, which like country Western music to me, it's like, it we're done. Can uh, it, This cannot go on forever, you know? And um, they had that, but then they had a guy that came out and spoke and it was a, he probably spoke for an hour and it was well-prepared. It was referenced. It was amazing. I thought I would come every week to listen to you talk about whatever it was he was talking about. I can't even remember at this point. Um, but I thought mm, I could do this one, you know, but I haven't found, and then I, I've kind of had to deconstruct my Christianity and Bible studies and the historical references to who wrote this and what this really means. And so now I'm kind of like, now nah, I can't listen to anything because that's not what David Bakavoy said or Bart Ehrman. That's not what that means. You know, so it kind of ruins it for everything. But anyway, so that's so talk a little bit about. Um, so, OK, so you've both. Acknowledged, so I love this. So I love how it's like mom is creating like mm, that's interesting. Shalice is like, oh, I will prove you this wrong. And then she brings that to Lisa and Lisa's like, tell me more about this. And then you. So now you've got three generations of women that have left. Shalise, you have found a community because you're in LA and do you miss any part of, have you replaced anything that you thought you would miss by leaving that community? Have you found another community? And then the same thing, Lisa, you, you know, because it's harder, I think it's harder to make friends the older you get because you don't have kids and you're not going to high school, you know, football games. And so it's a little bit harder. So how have you replaced your community? So both of you yeah. take turns. Community. 
when I first moved out to LA, it was right when I had decided I'm not Mormon anymore. I actually did a study abroad in London, and that was the perfect way to get me out of the environment of Vegas because there are lots of Mormons in Vegas, and yeah. there was a very active singles ward that I was a part of, and I decided I'm, I'm done with it, and then I went and did my study abroad for a few months, so when I came home, within two weeks, I was in LA. And I remember when I first got here, because I didn't know anybody, I just moved out here. <laughs> I, I moved in as a live-in dog walker because I oh couldn't gosh. afford an apartment and I couldn't get a job without an address. Oh, my, yeah. my mic is dropping down. I couldn't get a job without an address and I couldn't get into an apartment without a job. So I became a live-in dog walker. Smart. And I remember thinking, I need a... I need some friends. Well, the easiest way to make friends is to go to church. So I was like, let's try it. So I went to the church out here and I could not stomach it. I, once those goggles were off, that filter yeah. was off, everything they were saying made my blood boil. And I almost wanted to just stand up and scream, don't you guys hear yourselves? Yes. But I, I just couldn't do it. So, And then I also realized, why would I try and make a bunch of Mormon friends if I don't believe it anymore? There's going to be yeah. a conflict there anyway. Yeah. So... I, you know, made some friends through work and I've been here 12 years now. And honestly, I don't really miss the community part of it. I have my close group of friends, but I don't need a herd of people around me. Yeah. <laughs> and and I don't really miss the whole going somewhere every Sunday. I love my independence. I've always been that way. I would rather just do what I want to do. And if I want to have one-on-one -on -one time with my close friends, then I can do that. So I wouldn't so, say I've replaced yeah. the community. I've I've become my own community. I've become to mm -hmm. love my own, uh, my own, what am I trying to say? <laughs> Presence. I like to hang yeah. out with myself and I like to yeah. do things that I like to do and not have anyone tell me what I can and cannot do. Yeah. I, I love that. I think that's so, I think that's truer than people want to acknowledge in actuality that if you if you really do look at this community that you think you'll miss so badly it would be like well now what do you do outside with these people when it's not sunday and you're not on your assigned ministering uh, route what do you do oh do you guys go out to lunch all the time oh no we're not invited oh and do you vacation together oh no no we they they hang out with the smith family the smiths and the they're really close they go to no i'm not invited to anything actually uh, it, it's only I get to talk to these people at Relief Society or, or, or at a, some kind of a Relief Society event. And then you feel like you have all these friends because you've been plopped down at a table and you're kind enough to communicate with those people. But in reality, they're not your friends. And uh, so that's a hard thing to acknowledge because we are we are humans. We are sapiens. We do need, uh, you know, some kind of tribe. But it do, you don't have to have very many people. Yeah. Yeah. What did you find, Lisa? I think my situation was a little bit different. It was harder for me to let go of that because I was older when I left and my whole life was centered around the, the church, everything, right, right. The young women's program and doing things during the week. And then the, the church, you know, all day Sunday and then meetings for the next meeting. And it, my, all of my friends were in the church. And so that was my life. And so when I got out of the church, I really found out who my friends were, right? who the real friends were. And, and I have some of those that are still my really close friends that are in the church, oh. but, and they accept me. I accept them in the church. We have a great relationship, but I lost a lot of friends 
And that's when you have to look at that and go, I guess we weren't that close of friends, you know, in the long run, if, if they're going to, you know, judge me based on me leaving the church. And so when I moved to St. George, um, I found that just I'm more spiritual as far as I can go on a hike and go sit up on a rock and feel closer to God there or spirit or the universe, whatever it is, I feel something. I don't need to sit in a, you know, in a church setting and listen to somebody talk for three hours. I just, I don't need that. Right. Yeah. Right. Isn't that funny? Because, um, and you guys are aware of this living in the Pacific Northwest. Everybody talks about the beauty of the Pacific Northwest and it is amazing. Uh, nothing better than the Columbia Gorge. I mean, it's just outstanding. But the reality is when you're hiking, you are just completely covered with this flora and fauna, right? So you've got this green roof over you and green sides around you. So you're basically on your hike and you're just kind of going forward. And when you come to some place that's, that's more open, um, that you start looking around and you're like, oh, wow, look at the look at the sky and look at, you know, and I, when we first moved here, I saw my first little red cardinal and uh, this red bird flew past. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I mean, I could have been, it could have been an elephant. I mean, I thought I was in the Sierra, you know, and, um, and then the the jackrabbits that are all over and the little newts that are all over and climbing to the top of a, of Tom Thumb or Camelback mountain. And then looking over the entire, you know, uh, Portland or Portland, Phoenix, you know, Scottsdale area, you're just kind of like, wow. And like you say, the closeness that I feel now towards, so Shalish, you have the, the, the phases of the moon. I knew there was a moon, but living in the Pacific Northwest, you don't see the sun or the moon. I never noticed the phases of the moon, you know, now I'm tracking the phases of the moon and just becoming really uh, really close to the whole nature as far as like, look, if you want to believe in a universal or a higher being or a creator, then what I like to my, this is my new thought for the month and we'll see where it goes next month. But for right now, I'm like, look, if there is a universal or a higher power that did, that created, they created nature, they created the laws of nature. So you have the phases of the moon, you have the tide, you have the women's cycle, you have, um, weather that, you know, that is horrible, that is beautiful. You have gravity, you have all of these things that, that also have consequences to them. You know, you have weather consequences, you have gravity consequences, you have our bodies, our nature, we're all tied in one with things. So there are consequences to abusing our bodies. There's a consequence. So I, I, I am so good with all of that without having to believe that there is a chess game going on or a, a, a white haired old man at a computer going, well, <clears throat> haven't seen a tumor. We're going to give that tumor to, yes, that's right. That guy right there, right there. Tumor today, you know, earthquake today, bad accident for you. That's how the you know world works. And it makes you more in tune with, like you say, I'm going to take care of my body because I want to be in tune with nature or, you know, I want to, reference these beautiful natural laws that tell me that if I eat this, then my body's not going to function as well as it could. That's just, you know, a consequence to nature. So it is, it's so freeing. And, and you're right, Lisa. I mean, the older we get, 
are, you know, we like, like Shalise, you're, you're probably like, Hey, there's a concert I'm going to. It starts at nine 30. Lisa and I are like, yeah, that's not happening. We're going to bed. We're in bed by nine 30. So, that, so your social life kind of dies down after a while anyway. Cause you're like, yeah, I'm tired. I don't want to do that. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys are amazing. I just, I love, I love the relationship that you have. I love that you deconstructed together. I love that you share, like you, Shalish, you mentioned that you and your mom talk about things that you hear or new things that you learn about, you know, this religion that we all used to believe in so strongly. And then you're like, and that you have each other to bounce things off of. And, and um, I just think it's amazing. And Shalise, what you're doing with your cults to consciousness and, you know, the last episode that you did with the comparison with the Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness, it, it, it's just, it, it's amazing to me like you were saying, how you could say to a true believing Mormon, uh, you could say, well, do you believe this? And they would say, oh, absolutely, yes. Did you know that the Seventh-day Adventists or the Jehovah Witnesses also believe this? They're like, yeah, well, yeah, but they don't, you know, they have the same mindset that you had when your Christian friend brought you that information, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting when you start to compare all of these different cults or high demand groups and realize that you're not so special. And yeah. that's the stuff that my mom and I talk about all the time. And I feel really lucky to have a relationship with her to be able to be so open about these things. And and I think if I were to say, do I have a community going back to that outside of community thing? It's with my mom. It's with the people who you can yeah. open up with. It, exactly. You don't need to do little activities together like you did in church, but you do need connection. I think connection is the most important thing. So if you That's can a find beautiful, people, yeah. people who are in this space, who understand trauma responses, who understand religious CPTSD, all of these things, if you can have someone to speak to about your experiences or even just watching things like this, I think is really helpful for people to deconstruct on them on their own journeys, um, that's community. That's what's important. I would say connection over community. How about that? I love that. That is so, <laughs> that is so perfect because just a, a community makes you think that you need 150 people. A connection means you need one. Yeah. And, and I love that. That's, that's a fabulous way to end this on. So to, as we, as we're ending, Lisa, talk a little bit about your, uh, Instagram, what you do, your Etsy shop, and the beautiful things that you create. Oh, thank you very much. Um, actually, Shalise is the one that pushed me into doing it. Um, I love how you push each other. <laughs> I know. It's like we get bounce off you know, ideas from each other, but it's Spirit of Ottertel. Um, uh, Ottertel, Sarah Ottertel was our ancestor, who's Cherokee. And so I make Native American wall art and dream catchers, talking sticks, walking sticks, uh, crystal necklaces. I, too, am really into crystals. All of my dream catchers have those on them. And so that's kind of what I do. And I think that helps me feel centered or helps me feel creative and feel connected to my ancestors by doing that. And yeah. again, Shalise is the one that encouraged me to get out there and do it and so great it does amazing work i have actually well, you can't really see it but i have a seven foot tall dream catcher behind <gasps> me with no. every crystal of the, the chakra colors around the web 
and um, she gets deer sheds that she finds out in Utah or people find them and give them to her. And so she's in stores and she also does custom orders. So if you need a present for someone and you want a custom made thing with certain colors or crystals, she can do that for you. So DM her at Spirit of Otterton. (laughs) Thank I you. love that. Did you know that? Did you know that part of your heritage while you were a member of the church? Did you feel a Lamanite yeah. connection? Yeah. Oh, what? No. Real quick, can I? Oh, can yeah. I jump yeah. In? yeah. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea that Mormons believed that Native Americans were Lamanites. Literally, I had no yeah. idea. It like was not even in my field no. of awareness. I learned it like three years ago and called my mom and was like, "Did you know?" <laughs> like, yeah. Seriously. No idea, but yeah. but our heritage, our Cherokee heritage, was very present growing up. We always had Native American art in our home, and our home was decorated in that fashion. So I always felt really connected to that part of my heritage, but had no idea that it was supposed yeah. to be supposed to be a bad thing according to oh my right. gosh yeah. that, now is that on your mom's side or your dad's side lisa it's on my dad's side it was my they were from oklahoma and and the Georgia area and yeah my grandmother was born on a reservation in oklahoma so no that is so beautiful you know it's one of those things where us boring europeans you know, you get your DNA back and you're like, yeah, you're hundred percent Scottish, English, Irish, go away. You know, and you're like, I know, I know, you know, I should learn how to do that river dance, but you know, that's the closest I'm going to get. So you're always hoping you get your DNA back. You're like, just, just a little, just a little touch of something like, yeah, no, you're Irish, just go away. You know? So it, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful heritage to have. And what a, I that was one of the other things that, you know, as you're going down the rabbit hole, and then I start, you start going into Christian history, then you start going into American history, and then you start, you know, deconstructing everything you were ever taught. Yeah. And I started, and I really sunk in deep to the Native American indigenous history. And I, especially living here in Arizona, where, you know, we're right here at a Navajo reservation. And, and I just, I'm like, I cannot believe what these people have endured and the injustice that's been done and continues to be done. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't, I just can't. It's just amazing. So oh, what a beautiful heritage. I love that you're embracing that though. And, and you have the right to embrace that. That's the important thing. My brother for a long time really loves that culture. And he just embraced that culture so, so, so much. And he went to, he, he went to some kind of activity. He was living in California at the time. And he went to an activity and uh, a beautiful man came up to him and put his arm around his shoulders and said, you know what? We appreciate you being here, but this isn't for you. And, and he recognized that he goes, this isn't, this isn't my heritage and it's not for me to embrace, you know, um, but he still loves it and he loves, he loves the art and, and all of the things that go along with it. And, and so that's beautiful. So everyone go on her, her, uh, website, Otter Tail, Spirit of Otter Tail, correct? Spirit of Otter Tail. Spirit of Otter Tail. Look at her, her dream catchers are amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to, you know, it's like, oh, dang it. I'm going to have to buy one of those. I'm going to have to buy one of those. I have a, I have a beautiful art piece that I bought uh, at one of the art things down here in Arizona. That's it's so much more tied into nature. I love it down here. And then Shalise, of course, tell us the cults to consciousness. Uh, tell us how they find you and, and yeah. where, what, what are we punching in? 
all the things. So on YouTube, it's at Cult to Consciousness. And same on Instagram, Cults to Consciousness. And uh, Patreon slash Cults to Consciousness. So all the things, pretty easy to find. And we do episodes weekly. At least that's our, our goal. We've been we've been doing it. It's it's a lot of work, but yeah, it's a yeah, lot of work. Week, getting out episodes, trying to talk to lots of people from lots of different backgrounds to get multiple perspectives. So it's not just the ex Mormon. I, I exactly tend to go to the ex Mormon stuff because that's what I know, and that's yeah. those are the people that tend to contact me. But we do try to get into other things. We have a Scientology episode coming up soon. So oh my gosh, lots of, lots of fun yeah. stuff. And I think that's so important to recognize that, um, unfortunately, when you're in a cult, you don't know that you're in a cult. I remember people saying something about the LDS church being a cult and going, ah, no, you know, but then when you go through the bite model, as you did on your uh, thing too, and, and I had read a lot of Stephen Hassan's stuff and, and you start going, oh, it's the indoctrination. It's the not being allowed. I remember working in the temple, telling one of my temple workers that I was reading something by Deepak Chopra. And she was like, oh, you need to be very careful. You need to be careful about what you're reading. And I was like, I, I don't, what are you talking about? I had no idea, you know, um, that, but that's how indoctrinated some people are literally like, don't read Brene Brown. Don't read Deepak Chopra. Don't read Eckhart Tolle. Don't read any of these things that'll just expand your mind. And uh, it could be a great companion to what, you know, if you want to, uh, still stay in your whatever your religion if you look at it from just being kind humans you know but interesting very interesting well thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday and I I hope that you're all experiencing where well, let's say you're in LA so uh, has it stopped raining in California Finally. okay <laughs> and you're in Utah so but you're in St. George so it's beautiful yeah. I'm heading there next week heading to St. Oh, George next awesome. week Awesome. Yeah, they're having a um, historical, uh, 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 it's some. It's, it's about Juanita Brooks. I think it's a tribute to Juanita Brooks. And then they're also taking a tour to uh, the mountains, uh, Mountain Massacre. So, yeah, so we're flying in for that real quick. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm finding myself spending more time in Utah than I am in Arizona because there's a lot of ex-Mormon stuff going on in Utah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's uh, very knowledgeable and fun. So thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the example you're setting for two generations of, of women who have stood up, who have said, I know who I am. I'm not going to play this role any longer. I'm going to live my purpose. And I found it. And that's 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 my new life. And yeah. you're perfect examples of that. So thank you so much. Thank you so thank much. You. And thank you for what you're doing. We yes. appreciate it. Oh, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Ah, can you believe it? Are they not dynamic? I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And um, please go to their websites. Uh, you will be amazed at, as, as, I've, as I said in the beginning, the quality of guests that Shalise has on her podcast and on her YouTube. And um the the craftsmanship that Lisa has and what she produces with her um, Native American uh, reference to her dream catchers, her crystal work and all of that stuff is absolutely amazing. So two beautiful women. I hope you you get to know them better and follow their example. That's the biggest thing. That's the greatest thing that you get out of these podcasts is listen to these women know that it's possible 
that you can go down that path as well. That it doesn't matter if you're 25 or 30 or 35 or 60 or 65 or 70, that once you discover who you are, it's not impossible to get out of whatever situation is in as long as you stand up and recognize your worth. And once you know who you are, and what your purpose is, and you feel confident in that, you will succeed in whatever you need to do. So that is the example that I believe these two women have shared with us today. So go on, have a wonderful day, go adjust your clocks, change the batteries, uh, and not only your clocks, but I think this is also the time of year we're supposed to be changing our batteries and our uh, smoke alarms. So go do that. That there's your, there's your chore for the rest of the day. <laughs> Find your community and stand up and become visible. Bye-bye.